if you can focus on your goal, then radical confidence allows you to put one foot in front of the other, even when you don't feel great about yourself. That's how you progressively keep marching towards that goal. And as you progressively march towards that goal, you start to get competent. And once you get competent, over time, you start to feel good about yourself. And that's where the confidence comes in. Confidence is the byproduct. It comes at the end of having radical confidence. Welcome to the Hurt to Healing podcast with me, Pandora Morris. I've been fighting an uphill battle with my mental health for many years, and it's only now that I've started to see some glimmers of light. As part of my own recovery, I've made it my mission to support as many of you as possible on your own healing journey by sharing conversations that are more honest and more raw than ever before. I'll be speaking to some wonderful people from all walks of life who will open up about their own invisible struggles in the hope that it will provide a bit of solace and comfort for some of you. The Hurt to Healing podcast is proud to partner with Shout, the UK's first free, confidential, 24-7 tech support service. So if you're struggling to cope and need mental health support, please text SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, to 85258. Today, I'm speaking to the ultimate girl boss, Lisa Billu. Lisa is the co-founder of Billion Dollar Company, Quest Nutrition, and the co-founder of Impact Theory, a weekly show that explores the minds of the world's highest achievers. You might ask, how on earth does she do it all? The answer to that is that she's brimming with self-confidence. Lisa is a self-confidence expert who shares a lot of valuable tips and strategies on how to build this critical mindset into your own life. Like many people, she's overcome a lot of challenges, but instead of hiding, Lisa details how she consciously chose to develop a strong sense of self that changed her life forever. I would love to start by taking a little trip down memory lane and to focus on your childhood. Now, you've spoken openly about that you were teased and bullied as a child, And I'd like to know what insecurities you had from a young age and what impact you think this has had on you as an adult and what impact it had on you growing up. Oh, yeah, I definitely had um, low self-esteem, didn't feel good about myself. So I was teased for my looks, you know, and it really does stick with you. It makes you think about yourself in a certain way. And in my adulthood, I've done a lot of research on psychology and um, mindset and age. And what the conclusion that we've come to, me and my husband, is that there's an age of imprint that they call it. And they say anywhere from 11 to 15 is the most susceptible years of someone's life. So something can happen to you, let's say now, it, you won't be as susceptible as if that thing, same thing happened during that age gap or that age period. So you can imagine, you get bullied and teased between 11 and 15, you're told you're not good enough, you're told that you're ugly, you're told that no one's ever going to love you, you actually believe it. And it isn't until I got into my adulthood that I realized it was a belief system I had that was passed on from other people that didn't like me. And now I have to shift my own belief 
belief system about myself. And it all comes back to identifying where that belief came from in the first place. And not to feel badly about it, not to judge yourself for it, but to just acknowledge it and say, oh, at 14, I did feel very badly about myself. At 14, I thought I was worthless. I thought I wasn't good enough. Now, as an adult, I know that's not true, but I have to unwind the emotion, that feeling that I've had for the last 10, 15 years. And so I really do urge your audience to really start there. If they're struggling with something, if they're struggling with self-esteem, if they're struggling with confidence, if they're struggling with not believing in themselves, I want to say, homie, it's okay. Give yourself the grace to know that that's where you are right now. And now just be willing to put in the work. And that work means you have to go backwards and find out where your belief started from. And what do you think helps someone to go backwards? Because I think a lot of people can just find it too painful and too emotional. It's so buried very, very deep. Yeah, so it's going to be very important for people to be able to pass apart the things that I'm saying from someone that's had massive, like capital T trauma, right? So I've done a lot of interviews with so many therapists to understand there's different types of trauma that we've all been through and there's different levels of trauma. Now, if you're talking about big T trauma, that is not what I'm talking about here. I would urge anyone that if they're dealing with major childhood trauma to seek therapy, to seek help, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that that is a beautiful sign that you care enough about your life to do something about it. So anyone that might be even holding on to some stigma or like anything like that about going to therapy, I think that it is a beautiful thing. So I urge anyone dealing with a big T trauma to seek therapy. Now for me, the way that I approached it is that I've told myself it isn't fact, but I need to understand where it comes from. So for instance, I started to write down a list of all the beliefs I currently have. Just write the list. You're not judging yourself. You're not saying where it comes from. Just write them. So for instance, I wrote the list of, I want four children. I believe that a good wife means taking care of her husband. This is my belief system back at like 20 years ago. I believe a good wife is someone that supports their husband. I believe in God. I believe that I'm no good. I believe I'm not good enough. Like literally from everything from a belief of politics, religion, it's up to someone if they want to go down that path. But like I found it so empowering by asking myself even, why do I believe in God? I was brought up as a Greek Orthodox. I never questioned it until I went on a first date with my husband and my husband turned around. I was like, oh, so why do you believe in God? I was 21 years old, homie. And my response was because my dad told me to. So that was enlightening in and of itself that I'd never even questioned why. And so that's where I want your audience to really start on just making the list. And now once you've made that list, ask yourself why. And if it really aligns with who you are today as an adult. Now, as I was going down, do I believe in God or why do I believe in God? Because my dad told me to, you got to believe as an adult, that wasn't a satisfying answer. And I was like, okay, I'm doing it because someone else has told me to. So now I've identified, I believe this because someone else has told me to believe it. Now it gives me the space to open up and question, well, do you? Why do you? What does it mean to you? And then the third piece of this is now you know why. Ask yourself, does this belief now serve who you are today and who you want to become? Because if you want to, let's say, be in business, and I've decided I love business, I really want to go into business, and I look at my belief system, and my belief system says, Lisa, you're not good enough. Does that belief system serve the person I want to be? No. 
because I have to get good in order to be great at business. So if I believe I'm not good enough, you can understand why I just go, oh, that belief system doesn't serve me. It doesn't serve my goal. Now, so that's the result. And now it's, what are you going to do about it? So I've gone, okay, I don't believe I'm good enough. I want to be in business. You can understand that those two things don't align. So now the final piece is, how do I make this belief system serve the person I want to be? So let's say I take, you're not good enough. I just change it to, how do you get good enough? So now you can imagine, I want to be an entrepreneur. Let's say I want to, my entre- I want to start a YouTube channel is my business. Okay, well, believing I'm not good enough doesn't serve me because now I won't get in front of the camera. But telling myself or asking myself, how do you get good now orients me to come up with a strategy that I can learn in order to achieve my goals. So now I'm not good enough. Okay, how do you get good? You have to get in front of the camera, Lisa, 20,000 times and you have to film about 50,000 hours. Let's say that's my conclusion. Now I have a path to keep moving forward where my belief system that I believed doesn't hold me back from the future me. So will you talk to us a bit about your radical confidence Um I'd almost call it a philosophy. I think you'll be in 20 years time, probably (laughs) being quoted as the philosopher of 2022. (laughs) Yeah. What does radical confidence mean to you? And what's the difference between radical confidence and say just confidence? So confidence is a feeling that people wait to get before they start something. And that really is feeling good about yourself. I I want the confidence. That's one question I get all the time is I really want confidence, Lisa. How do I get confidence like you? So there's two things that I say when someone says that to me, first of all, oh, no, 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 you're misreading me. I don't have confidence. I have radical confidence. And what is that difference? So they're reading me as I step in front of the camera. I post about um, vulnerable things. I talk openly about my mistakes and my errors and my pitfalls and not being good enough and feeling ugly. And so everyone thinks that that comes from confidence by feeling good about myself now. And it doesn't. It comes from knowing what I'm trying to get to and not waiting to feel confident to start. So if I want to start a YouTube channel, okay, the good news is you've identified what you want the confidence to do. That's an important part. You want confidence to do what? Because there's a difference between, right, the goal and how you feel about yourself. Confidence is the feeling about yourself and the to do what is the goal. So if you can focus and not your emotions or how you feel about yourself, but you can focus on your goal, then radical confidence allows you to put one foot in front of the other, even when you don't feel great about yourself. That's how you progressively keep marching towards that goal. And as you progressively march towards that goal, you start to get competent. And once you get competent, over time, you start to feel good about yourself. And that's where the confidence comes in. Confidence is the byproduct. It comes at the end of having radical confidence. But how do you get started? It is knowing that radical confidence means you may be inadequate. You may not be good enough. You may not have the skill set yet. But you know what, homie? You're the type of person that can get back up. You're the type of person that can figure it out. You're the type of person that fails and learns from it. That's what radical confidence is. So radical confidence is a precursor, basically, to confidence. And I think you sometimes do have to walk the walk. And hopefully that that then sort of manifests itself in a way that 
you might translate into reality going further down the line. I think the important part also to add here right now, though, is that you still may mess up. You still may fail, but that doesn't make you a failure. And so that is an important part for people to remember when they go on their journey, when they're fighting family members that are telling them they're not good enough and you're going to fail. There's no guarantee you're going to succeed. And so how do you make sure that even with failure, you don't stop, that you don't use your brother's words as in your mind proof? That is imperative because if you're starting anything new as you're growing your business, as you're, you know, stepping up and really doing the things you love, if you think that failing is then going to dictate how you feel about yourself, if you're the type of person that would then spiral into, oh my God, see, my brother is right. Don't judge yourself for it, accept it, acknowledge it. And now the most beautiful thing is you know it. And so what you're going to do is spend the time after that in figuring out what you're going to do when you fall on your face, what you're going to do when your brother comes back to you after a failure and how are you going to respond to it? That's going to be the important part, right? Because you cannot control other people. You cannot control how they think of you. And you do not ever want to take a failure to mean you are a failure. That will literally be the biggest dream killer overnight is you dictating who you are based on the experiences you've had. So what I would do right now, if I was you is go, okay, I accept my brother's never going to accept what I do, whatever. And now what are you going to do the very next time you are in a discussion with him? Do you even said you got triggered? Identify the exact trigger. The thing that I do is I don't hide from my triggers. I don't pretend that they're not there. I accept them. I acknowledge them. And when I say accept, I accept that they exist. I don't accept that. Oh, well, that's part of who I am. I don't accept that in myself. So I just say, I'm the type of person that is going to always keep improving. And so here's a trigger that I've just notified. When my brother comes to me and says X, Y, and Z, I get triggered. Okay, now start to peel back the onion and even get deeper on identifying what that trigger looks like. So for me, it's about what are the flags? Because you don't really, it may feel it that you go from zero to a thousand, right, in emotion like that. But it isn't actually true. What's actually happened is there have been flags all along the way before you guys got into that big blazing row. Hmm. And now what I want you to do is replay it, right? Write the screenplay with no judgment. And the reason why I say screenplay and not story is screenplay leaves no room for thoughts. And now once you've written the screenplay, he said this, I said this, he said this, his voice got louder, my voice got louder, write it out. And now what I want you to do is give yourself the grace to be like, all right, this is a beautiful moment that has been given to me so now I can go back and improve, right? Because I don't want you to beat yourself up over the screenplay. Then you're going to go back through and I want maybe with a red highlighter, identify where the red flags started to wave. You know what? When my brother called me little sis, that really aggravated me. And so when he said the word little, I felt inferior, And the reason, and how I know this is my face felt flustered. My heart raced. It becomes a acknowledge, identify, no judgment, assess, then come up with a game plan next time. And here's the beauty in all of this. I'm not even saying you're ever going to get it perfectly right. I wouldn't even set you up to say the goal is that you're perfect. All I would say is, is your goal, your North Star that you're going to work to 
is the fact that I ended up having a blazing row with my brother for four hours. And you know what? After doing this exercise, I actually narrowed that blazing row to three hours. And you know what? I actually then narrowed that next blazing row to two hours, right? And so the whole point isn't to then be like, okay, you had a blazing row one week or one day, and now you're going to be perfect and you're going to be be totally emotionally regulated, right? That's never going to, that's not reality. So be proud of that the fact you're the type of person that took this problem in your life, identified the trigger, wrote out a game plan, and then tried to refine it. And every time you tried to refine it, you showed up as your best self. And look, of course, the goal is to be able to get to the point where you don't end up in the blazing row, that you're able to, what I call in the book, become emotionally sober, to understand where that spillage of having too much emotion leads you into saying something that you wish you hadn't said, doing something that you wish you hadn't done. And so that is how people at home right now can start taking the reins over their own life. Even when you can't control how your brother comes to you, even though you can't control how your brother thinks in any way, shape or form, you're never going to change his mind. And the goal isn't to. The goal is to be able to manage yourself. Yeah. And that's such, such crucial advice. And I, it's really difficult to sort of hold that. I guess it is, it's in a way it's radical confidence and just standing your ground, as you say, it's rewriting it as a screenplay and it's not reacting, it's responding. And it's so easy to do in the moment to just fly off the handle because sometimes, you know, when people know which buttons to push emotionally, my God, they can trigger Mm -hmm. a sort of a train reaction and you, and unless we're prepared to sever all ties with our families, which sometimes isn't realistic, it can be very, very triggering going back into that family environment. Yeah. And there's certain things that you can also do. Like if it's really become, because look, there are certain people who's like, yeah, it really bothers me, but you know what? I'll just not speak to my brother and I'm fine. Or there are other people who's like, my family's my life. And so I need to solve this, right? And so if you're that person that is like, I don't want to cut them out of my life, I do need to solve this. There are other things that you can do in situations like this that can really help. So an exit plan is always like a big, one of my favorites. Have an exit plan and know and give yourself almost like rules. So for instance, my rule is if I start feeling like the words coming out of my mouth, if I start stuttering, it's a signal to me that maybe I'm getting overwhelmed, like my emotions, like I'm feeling flustered. And so in those moments, what I've done is I've given myself permission to know, okay, Lisa, when you feel X, then you walk away. And I've given myself the rule when I'm emotionally sober so that when I get in those moments where I'm emotionally drunk, I have a guiding a plan. And so that plan is walk away. Now, I've got a plan for walk away in every scenario. If I'm with my husband, if I'm with my team on a call, like as a leader, you don't want to be losing your shit all the time. And so if you start getting worked up, emotionally rattled, what do you do? You need an exit plan. And so to me, I'm the type of person that was like, if you even have to lie, then lie. It's better to lie and even say, and I joke about this, but I actually mean it. Say you've got a weak bladder, a bladder issue. Like actually say that. I'm so sorry. I've got a bladder issue. I have to leave because I really need to use the restroom. That is better than getting in a blazing row with your boss, right? Like to me, it becomes like, okay, if you know yourself and you've accepted, this is who I am. And you know, you're the type of person that loses your shit 
Don't judge yourself for it. Just acknowledge you're the kind of person that does and now you're going to spend time and energy on working through this. And until you figured it out, you need an exit plan. And your exit plan, if you have to lie, I don't necessarily encourage people to lie, but the truth is it's better than losing your shit, right? If it's my husband, I'm always gonna be honest because my rule with my husband is you never lie, no matter what. And so I've told my husband, In advance, if we're in the middle of an argument and I say, baby, I have to walk away, I need you to understand why. And we've had that discussion, we've had that before we've gotten to that point again. We've had it when we're both emotionally sober. So he can say, of course, baby, I'm going to support you if that's what you need to then emotionally regulate and come back to the discussion. When you're not screaming and shouting, it serves him too. So we've discussed it in our relationship. And look, if it's with your family, and again, back to kind of like with your brother, if you're maybe you're not close or maybe, you know, it's an uncomfortable situation and you're not going to tell him why, that's fine. You never have to. This is for you. This is for your own mental stability. This is for your own mental health. So that's one little thing. And then the other thing is, you know, hangry, right? Will you get angry when you're hungry? I do. That's actually true. So if we know that we can influence our mood, we can influence whether we're happy or whether we're sad, then know thyself. For instance, within your, if you're a female and you're listening to this and you have a cycle and you know close to the time of your period, you're grumpy, you're agitated, you're frustrated. If you are, then just make sure you don't put yourself in situations with your brother, let's say, because let's say your brother is the trigger. I would just say if I was you, cool, I'm going to identify. There's no way I'm going to be around my brother a week before my period because I am extra sensitive, because I I might take something he says and I may get upset by it. Again, I'm not judging myself for being extra sensitive. I'm just saying, okay, if I want to show up and not be triggered, how do I do that? Look at my hormones. Look at where I get triggered. Look at at when I get triggered. That's how detailed I get when I go, I've got a problem. How am I going to show up so that everything is in as much of my control, if you will, my ownership as possible. Hurt to Healing has partnered with Brown Advisory to bring you this podcast. Brown Advisory, a global investment management firm, is passionate about raising awareness of mental health challenges in order to help people thrive in an ever-changing world. A big thank you to Brown Advisory for supporting my mission. So you suffered from quite a chronic illness and quite a debilitating health issue when you were younger. And I'd love for you to explain your health story. And you've also been quite open about your struggle with food and how you've had several issues around that and with your gut and I wondered if you could talk us through that and how you've learned to manage that as well in terms of your emotions and in terms of your physical management of of the illness. Yeah so this is one of those stories that it's a pivotal moment where something catastrophic happens to you and it becomes a choice. This can either break you or it can maybe be the best thing that's ever happened to you. Now, look, obviously, I'm saying that not knowing people's stories, so I do not want to put judgment or anything or dismiss anyone's, you know, issues that they're going through. But for me, the most successful day of my life was when we finally sold a piece of Quest. And it is life changing. Now, in that moment, we had a decision. 
okay, well, great. I'm going to go live a, you know, a life of like luxury or I'm really going to test if my mission and my purpose is true. Now, in that moment where our life changed and it was amazing, we took selfies and then we got in our car and went back to work. No one knew our lives had just changed overnight. No one knew that we had just become extremely wealthy because we kept showing up for our mission and our purpose. Now, me showing up for my mission and purpose, men, I put that first. I put it before myself. I put it before my body. I put it before my my health. I was ignoring all the signals my body was telling me that I was abusing it by having an unhealthy relationship with food, by thinking that fat, eating fat was bad, by weighing myself every morning to the point where I would pee, I would make sure that my underwear was off so that none of it actually skewed the scale. And every day I would wake up, weigh myself and use that weight on the scale as a way to almost like how I would feel about myself. That mental abuse, that physical abuse, that on the grind, building the company, which I thought was the right thing to do, the greater good, right? Actually came crashing down around me. So we used the money, we bought our first house that we dreamt of. And in that moment of celebrating, in the moment where you think this is my life has changed for good, I have a bottle of champagne in my hand and I take a swig of champagne and my gut felt like it erupted. That's the best way I can explain it. Now, from that moment on, from the very moment I took a swig of champagne to celebrate, my life changed like that. So everything I dreamt about, everything I'd fought for, everything I'd done, I thought was for this, for the money, for the accolades. And what I realized was, oh, money doesn't mean shit if you don't feel good about yourself. And that, I'm going to go back to where I started this, is in those moments of it potentially being the worst thing that could happen to you. I was so sick that I could have gone into a negative spiral. And yet in that moment, I remember the Tony Robbins. I think it was Tony Robbins actually that said that, how can you make this the most beautiful thing that's ever happened to you? And so in that moment, I choose to see it as the most empowering thing. And as the most empowering thing, number one is I took ownership over it. So if I actually take it on me, if I take the ownership and say, no, 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 Lisa, this is your fault. Now, fault is maybe triggering for some people. I get that. So ownership, responsibility, whatever word someone wants to use. I like the word fault. Now, the beautiful thing is about saying it's all your fault, your ownership. Now you can do something about it. Now you're taking back your power and saying, if I got myself into it, by golly, I can get myself out of it. I don't blame myself. I just go, oh, that's why you have an unhealthy relationship with food. Well, great. Does that serve you, Lisa? And everything I took you by, you know, before now applies to this again. Does it serve you? No. How can I change that mindset? It's an incremental thing. How do I get a healthy relationship with food again? And now I go down that path. I write a game plan. How do I get comfortable with food again? How do I become safe? Number one, chuck the scale. Number two, don't weigh yourself. Don't weigh your food. Right. And then I came up with a game plan. That's radical confidence. It's not knowing how to do it. It's not thinking that I've got it all together. It's not saying, oh, I don't have an unhealthy relationship with food anymore. It's about actually identifying I do, and that's okay. I'm going to just now give myself the grace to accept it, but not keep using that as a way to keep showing up, knowing that this is, doesn't serve me. And now being the type of person that gets up every day and trying to improve that mindset. 
Thank you for sharing that. It's really inspiring for me to hear someone like you who I really look up to and I would say is, you know, a real role model and someone who has done incredible things with her life and you know what does work for you and you have to remain true to yourself in in doing what you do because no one else is going to do it for you. And I think when we're younger, it's so easy to think, oh, well, I'll wake up tomorrow and I'll do it then. And, And you've also written and spoken a lot about this sort of whole procrastination piece um and it's like oh when is it a good time oh well it doesn't feel quite right today because you know oh it's raining and I feel (laughs) like being a bit cozy or or you know uh so and so is arriving or I've got a party this weekend so it's not really the time to introduce more carbs this week and it's really important I think to create a community of people who can talk about this stuff openly because a lot of women still live in shame about their eating habits amen homie and look it's it's been a journey for me as well i denied it for years I never admitted it never and so it was one of those like I had to become okay with myself first in like yes Lisa this was something that you've been through and you know what you may never be able to totally get rid of that mindset but I give myself the grace to know um, it may always be a part of me but also acknowledge the truth when I'm bullshitting myself And what I mean by that is you can adopt, as you know, right, when you have um, an unhealthy relationship with food, you can adopt a belief system that you've convinced yourself is, no, 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 I'm doing this because I want to get healthy. And really, you've just convinced yourself that you're doing that. So I realized I was doing it. So with my gut, right, it was like, oh, well, I just can't digest carbs, right? And so it's an excuse to then not be able to have to even address, do I eat carbs or not? And so I realized that that was a narrative I was using. And I was like, now look, I understand where I'm trying to go. And it is to try and develop as healthy of a mindset as I possibly can. Which means in these moments, I just ask myself the question, is this actually true or not? That's because I want to incrementally get better with my mindset around food. And instead of going, oh, I'm going to be totally okay. And no, no, it's just like right now, Lisa, you know, you want to get healthy. It's not an easy, just mindset shift. So know that I want to get healthy means that you actually have to assess the reasons you're using and just ask yourself, is that true? So I want people to know anyone listening, guys, it's not about being perfect. It's not about having the confidence to just have all your shit together. It's about having radical confidence, which means you're going to keep improving. You're going to keep learning about yourself. You're going to keep growing. And it's a, it's a stepping stone. And to be honest, for me, I always say I don't have an end game. Like I want to be growing and learning about myself and improving till my dying day. Now, look, you can say, do I actually believe that? Or am I telling myself that in order to self-soothe as a way of saying, oh, I'm 70 and I'm still not good enough yet. Well, remember, Lisa, you said you're the kind of person that's going to keep improving. Yeah, maybe I do tell myself that because I want to keep going. I don't want to pause or feel badly about myself. All right. Well, the narrative serves me, right? The narrative is that Lisa, you're going to be the person that keeps growing. So it empowers me. So you better believe that's the narrative I have about myself that I hold on to. Because when you have types of addictions and types of issues, I've heard that alcoholics, right? You can not make sure there's no alcohol in your house. You can make sure that you don't go anywhere that has alcohol so that you don't get tempted. Food isn't like that. You still need food. Every day you face that thing that has become 
a trigger for you. So it is a don't judge yourself, slow progression. How are you going to handle it today? Maybe you did great yesterday. Maybe you were really able to see the truth of yourself, but maybe today you can't. Going back to maybe it's because you're on your period and you feel more sensitive. Give yourself the grace. Give yourself the grace. Give yourself the grace to keep showing up and just working on yourself one step at a time. I think that's just the best piece of advice that we could finish this episode with. And you've been so generous and open. And I'm just so, so grateful that you agreed to um, come on. Oh, well, thank you, my homie. I really appreciate you having me on. Any time that I can have a really intimate, powerful discussion just fills my heart. So I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate everyone listening. My book, Radical Confidence, has everything I just spoken about. Each chapter I take people through, a type of lesson of how to show up and all the different issues that us as women, like I said, that we deal with. And you can buy that anywhere in, on Amazon. I've got an amazing publisher in England. And so if you go over to you know amazon.co.uk, that would be amazing and then if you do like the book or even if you don't like the book please do leave a review I'm always the person that just wants the honesty because I need to know you know my north star is impact so I really do want the accurate feedback so that I know if I'm actually creating impact or not so if anyone's bought the book or listened to this please do go and review that would be amazing of course and we'll put all the details in the show notes and anyone who wants to get in touch with um yeah i I really really encourage and urge everyone to get the book because it's absolutely transformative and i really really appreciate your time well thank you for having me and thank you guys for listening i appreciate it thank you for listening to this episode of the hurt to healing podcast i'd love for you to subscribe to the show or to follow me on our hurt to healing instagram at Hurt to Healing Pod. You might also have a friend or family member that you think might benefit from hearing this conversation. So please spread the word.